Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. If using one of the blue chair Bibles, it's found on page 814. Now, if you read this passage before, you would have thought I was really clever to have at the center of a Mother's Day sermon two stories about women. Um, I'm not that clever. This is just where we're at, and the Lord has blessed us. But that's not the only commonality between the two parts of our story today. In that, in the lives of a young girl and a woman whose age we don't know, they're both in hopeless situations. And that's what actually I want to focus on this morning as we look at these passages of, I want you to think of those times when you have felt hopeless. Because in our stories, we have tragic circumstances. Not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but the first part of the story, we meet a father whose young daughter has passed away. And in the second part of the story, we'll meet a woman who has physically suffered for many, many years. And in one sense, they are both in hopeless situations. In both cases, they are out of the normal options for dealing with the pain of loss and ongoing physical distress. And as I read this passage in preparation for Sunday, I couldn't help but think of what will they do? And what should we do when we are in similar hopeless circumstances? How can I face the problems of my life when they feel hopeless. And again, not to get too far ahead of ourselves this morning, the people in these hopeless situations respond with faith in Jesus. And I want us to see what it means for us to approach Jesus in faith when we feel, feel similarly hopeless. Because it is by faith alone in Jesus alone that we can find healing, salvation, and hope. Let's look at that first part of the story, Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 18. Follow along as I read. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. After dealing with some controversies and complaints that we saw last week, Matthew moves us to some stories about Jesus miraculously healing some people. In this first part, Jesus is greeted by a ruler. Now, the parallel story in Mark's gospel... I will reference that from time to time because it has just a few more details. But in that story, 
we see that he's not just a ruler, but he's one of the rulers of the local synagogue, and that his name was Jairus. But here is a man who is in a position of religious authority in his community. And he tells Jesus, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. Again, Mark's account tells us that this girl was 12 years old. You can imagine the pain that he feels concerning his young daughter. She is only 12 years old. But he comes to Jesus in faith to receive his daughter back. And as we think about his faith, there's an element that rises to the top that has some distinctiveness from the other parts of the passage. I want you to notice that before he makes his request of Jesus, he knelt before him. Here's why I want to point that out. Here is a man who has authority in that community, but when he approaches Jesus, he does so with humble respect and submission to Jesus. This should remind us of a story we studied back in Matthew chapter 8 of the Roman centurion asking Jesus to heal his servants. In both cases, it's significant for us to see people in authority recognizing the authority of Jesus. I think this is an important aspect to faith that I don't know if we give enough thought to. But part of being a follower of Jesus is like this man kneeling before Jesus in humble submission to him. As the old hymn says, All to Jesus I surrender. I think we can also see in this that essential to true faith is humility. We'll see more about faith as we continue in this passage. But for now, I want us to meditate on this idea that we cannot have faith without humility. The person that Jesus will never turn away is the one who comes to him in humble faith. Let me highlight one more part of the story before we move on. The ruler's request to Jesus is to raise his daughter from the dead. Not only does this man come with humility, but he comes with boldness of faith that if Jesus is willing, he can raise the daughter from the dead. When we come to Jesus in humble faith, we can at the same time approach him with boldness and confidence. We can live with confidence in the hopeless times because of our faith in Jesus. And so there's this tension that exists in our faith of at the same time we are both humbled before Jesus, but bold in our interactions with Jesus. And related to this, again, on this idea of faith, is is this issue of strength of faith. Again, we see boldness and we say, well, I could never believe that hard. 
Friends, our faith strength is not in our exertion of that faith, but rather the object of that faith. Our faith is strong when our faith is in Jesus. It's not your exertion. It's not you gripping white-knuckled to Jesus. It's that your faith is in Jesus. And that's one of the subplots of these two stories that we're going to see, that the faith of these people is not perfect. Again, I mentioned the centurion, the story of the centurion, where Jesus marveled at his faith. And we talked about how that centurion showed impeccable faith in that he trusted Jesus to merely speak the words and he would be, his servant would be healed. Here, the ruler thinks that Jesus needs to put his hands on him. Again, this is not to criticize the man's faith, but it's to show that it's not the perfection, the purity of our faith, it's that our faith is in Jesus. Will you approach Jesus in faith when the hopeless times come? That is the question. And we do so in humility, but we do so with boldness and courage because our faith is in Jesus. Now, the story actually gets interrupted here. If you want to think of this passage as a sandwich, we've got... Jairus and his daughter, and then we're going to have a little interlude here, and then we're going to come back to Jairus and his daughter. And again, you can put yourselves in the shoes of Jairus of like, Jesus, why are we not walking faster to my daughter? But we'll get to that in a second. But as Jesus is on his way, as he's on his way to Jairus' daughter, he meets another woman in a hopeless situation, who needs his help. Let's look at verses 20 and 22. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly, the woman was made well. So Matthew here tells us that, behold, there she is, this woman who approaches Jesus. And he says that she had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years. We don't know the exact uh, nature of the disorder. But Mark adds, gives us a few more details. This is from Mark five twenty six. The woman had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Again, these extra details from Mark just underscore how hopeless this woman was feeling. And if the ruler's approach of faith, that kneeling, indicated humble faith, when I read this part of the passage, I saw a picture of desperate faith. The action associated with her faith is not kneeling, but touching the fringe of Jesus' garment. 
Now let's take a step back into the culture of that day to understand what's going on here. Jesus was a first century Jew and as such dressed like a Jew. In Deuteronomy chapter 22, we read this, You shall make yourselves tassels on the four corners of the garment with which you cover yourself. And so Jesus had these tassels, for lack of a better word, on the edge of his garment, and that is what the woman is saying, if I could just touch that piece of cloth, I will be made well. Now, a couple things to note here, again, just to to understand the cultural background. Number one, because of her bleeding disorder, she would have been considered ceremonially unclean. It was bold and risky of her to get close enough to Jesus to touch his clothes and risk bumping into all the other people around them and making them upset. Again, Mark's account is helpful here in what I think is sort of a funny interchange between Jesus and his disciples. This is again from Mark chapter 5. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? Jesus is like, hey, somebody touched my clothes. And the disciples are like, yeah, you're in a crowd. So again, we see the riskiness and the desperation of this woman's faith. And she spent all her money on doctors. She has no other options. And because of that desperation and because of her faith, she acted boldly knowing that through Jesus she would be made well. I'm going to come back to that word in a little bit because it's doing a little double duty here. But for now, look at what she says. In verse 21, she said to herself, if only I touch his garment, I will be made well. We see Jesus' response in verse 22. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter. This is the same way Jesus addressed the paralyzed man he healed at the beginning of the chapter. And as we noted in that story, we can see the compassion in the voice of Jesus, telling the woman to have courage, to take heart, a woman who has suffered from this disorder for 12 long years. I'll mention it here as a quick aside, and I need to give Pastor Dave credit for pointing this out. The young woman who died was 12 years old, and the woman had suffered from this bleeding disorder for 12 years. On one hand, we mourn with the father who experiences the shortness of 12 years with his daughter. But we also mourn with the woman who experiences the longness of 12 years with a bleeding disorder. Matthew presents people in different but both very severe circumstances. What should a follower follower of Jesus do in such situations? The death of a child, an illness with no end in sight. And after addressing her with compassion and care, Jesus declared, your faith has made you well. 
And instantly the woman was made well. When we are in the darkest of times, we are to come to Jesus in faith. Now I want to talk about that word made well that is used here three times in those verses. The word made well is also the word that gets translated saved. So we see this in Jesus' interaction with a woman in Luke chapter 7 where He said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Same word. There's a similar comparison in English. When we say we got saved by the lifeguard, we're not saying that the lifeguard led us to Christ. But in Greek, there is a similar idea. The idea of being saved and being made well, being healed, is the same word. I point this out, and I pointed out the similarity between how Jesus addresses the woman here and how he addressed the paralyzed man. In the story of the paralyzed man, Jesus explicitly states that the man's physical healing is an outward sign of the spiritual healing of forgiveness. In a similar way here, the physical healing of the woman is an outward sign that she has been spiritually healed and saved by her faith in Jesus. She was not healed by reaching out and touching Jesus' clothes like their magic clothes. Rather, she was healed by faith. By analogy, we are not saved by our own efforts to save ourselves. We are saved by faith in Jesus. You can take heart. You can be courageous knowing that when we approach Jesus in faith, he can heal us of our diseases. But more foundational is that when we approach Jesus in faith, we are saved from our sins, reconciled to God, and have the hope of eternal life. Our desperation is that it is only through faith in Jesus that we can be saved. Just like none of the efforts this woman made to get healed from her disorder, you cannot save yourself with any other effort. And so, like the woman, we must come to Jesus in faith and find healing and salvation. This leads to the last part of the story where we come back to Jairus and his daughter. Let's look at verses 23 to 26. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away. For the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. Again, I've mentioned this earlier. Imagine being the dad of the girl, bringing Jesus to his daughter, as Jesus is ministering to the woman with the bleeding disorder, And how slow each minute would have felt. But Jesus continues on and comes to the ruler's house. Matthew tells us that there he saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion. Again, we need to step back into the culture of the first century to understand this. Having flute players and professional wailing women in addition to the friends and family who are no doubt in mourning was a regular part of the normal funeral customs 
of that culture. Also, the grieving process of that culture, as one author writes, was, quote, not in the hushed whispers characteristic of our Western funerals, but in the loud outbursts of grief and wailing. But Jesus sends the mourners away, saying, the girl is not dead, but sleeping. The euphemism of sleep here is not saying that the girl was simply unconscious and that Jesus used his omniscient medical knowledge to wake her up, but rather it speaks to his intention to bring her back from the dead. And the people, rather than relate to Jesus in faith, mock him with laughter. Jesus gets the crowd out of there, went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. Responding to her father's faith, Jesus raises the girl from the dead, demonstrating his power over death. But as with the woman's healing pointing to the greater healing of salvation, this miracle of raising the young woman back from the dead points us forward to Jesus' ultimate authority over and defeat of death. Jesus died and rose again so that all who believe in him will one day not just be raised from the dead to die again, but will be raised to eternal life. And we see a picture of that in this girl's life. Just as Jesus brought this girl back to life, all those who place their faith in him will have the hope of resurrection to eternal life. Again, in the context of two people experiencing hopeless times, I want you to see that we always have hope. Even in the worst of times, the death of a child, a sickness that seems like it will never end, we have hope because Jesus defeated death. And one day all who have placed their trust in him will be raised to eternal life. And so we are never without hope. couple thoughts to conclude this morning. Number one, faith is both humble and bold. I love the pictures of faith in this passage. The humility of faith in the kneeling of the father and ruler. The desperate hope in the woman who reaches out for the hem of Jesus' clothes. The boldness in both of their confidence that Jesus can help them. These are many aspects of our beautiful faith. And it is a faith like this that can sustain us in the hardest of times. It is a faith like this that pushes us towards Jesus to find healing, salvation, and hope. And that's the second thing, that in the desperate times, come to Jesus in faith. There is an instinct we must always fight that causes us to run away in the hardest of times. When we experience great difficulty, we want to run away from our friends, our family, our church, and even from Jesus. Here we've seen a father and a woman experiencing some of the hardest circumstances in this world. 
And in each case, what do they do? They come to Jesus in faith. In your dark times, in your hopeless times, run towards Jesus in faith. And finally, number three, through faith we are saved and have the hope of eternal life. Just as the woman was healed of her bleeding disorder and made well, so through faith we are healed of our sins and saved by Jesus. It is only through faith and only through Jesus that we are saved. And just as the young girl was raised from the dead, so we have hope of eternal life through our faith in Jesus. It is only through faith and only through Jesus that we have the hope of the resurrection and eternal life. May we with boldness and humility approach Jesus in faith and find healing, salvation, and hope. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word to us this morning. That in seeing people in hopeless situations coming to you in faith, that we would come to you in faith, knowing that you care for us, knowing that we can find healing, salvation, and eternal hope. God, that we would not run away from you or hide in the hard times, but that we would run to you in humble and bold faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching this video from Hillside Evangelical Free Church. Our hope is that these resources will help you grow as a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. We're located in Greenbank, Washington on Whidbey Island. And if you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to have you join us. You can find out more information at our website at hillside-efc.com.